Welcome to episode 167 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, Friday night is always date night. And for this week's date night, we're packing and prepping for a quick winter backpacking trip. And we'll tell you why. Then we'll review a sleeping pad with a 4.4 R value that's a win for budget-minded backpackers. And we've got the perfect hack that will make your sleeping pad stay in place. All this, and that's about it. Today on The First 40 Miles. Well, we're recording the first 40 miles today from our backpacking room. We used to have a little backpacking bin where we stored all of our gear, and then it kind of morphed into a backpacking tower of gear that took up a couple shelves and a closet. And then we just decided recently to kick one of the kids out of their room <laughs> and uh, take over a room with backpacking gear. Okay, he actually moved out of the room. He did. We, voluntarily. Yeah, it was his own choice. <laughs> and then we were left with an empty room. And my big motivation for moving it all inside instead of keeping it in the garage was because of little mousy issues. We were having fun little surprises inside of boxes and not my kind of fun surprise. <laughs> So everything came inside, and it's actually really convenient now. It's nice. We got the backpacks hung on the walls, and everything stacked up in the closet and in bins. So it's a nice way to organize it for our family. And today, our goal is to get ready for a winter backpacking trip. It's just that time of year where it's been long enough since our last backpacking trip to where we just feel a little deprived. But winter backpacking is especially tough because you have to pack a lot of extra weight to keep yourself warm, keep yourself fed. Like all the winter gear is thicker, heavier, bulkier, but we still want to do it and we want to get out for an overnighter. And since it's just an overnighter, that means you can cut down on the weight a little bit. You're not packing multiple days of food and clothing and so on. So our plan for this trip is to leave probably around 3 p.m. Friday afternoon. So maybe right after the kids get home from school and it'll still be light enough outside that we'll have time to get somewhere and maybe even set up camp before the sun sets. Fingers crossed. That's right. <laughs> and we actually, I don't know if the kids are going to come with us on this trip. This might just be Heather and Josh adventure. And if it's just Josh and I, then we can kind of make this whatever kind of trip we want. We can turn it into a little photography expedition. We could practice some stealth backpacking, practice our fire building skills, maybe even spend some time reading a book together. So there are a lot of different things that we could do if it's just us. Well, it'd be good to practice our fire building skills. Yeah. <laughs> we, we really haven't gotten to the point yet where we can comfortably plan on being able to be successful at starting a fire in the winter. It's just so wet around here. We've had some failures, that's for sure. And uh, have we had any good successes? <laughs> uh, none that I can remember. So yeah, if we spent some time working on our fire building skills. That'd be good practice. And it would give us some light because, of course, the sun will set at about 4.30. So we have some things that we're kind of thinking about for this trip. Uh, but let's start packing and see how it goes. Okay. 
I'm going to start with my Deuter pack. It's the one I'm most comfortable with, and I know that I've got a rain cover that fits well, so I'll be able to keep it dry. All right, well, I'm going to go for my Osprey that I've used for the last few years. And I better make sure that the rain cover is actually in my pack. <laughs> yeah, and I actually don't have a rain cover for my pack. I've always just used like a garbage bag inside the pack, but I bet I could find and borrow someone else's rain fly. We'll see if it fits. Okay. I've sighted my rainfly. It's in there. That's good. Uh, and I just found a rainfly for my pack. I took it off of my daughter's pack, and it looks like it's going to fit. I'll just cinch it around. It's a, like a one-size-fits-all type rainfly. Yeah, a rain cover. Can I call it a rainfly or a rain cover? Anyway, it's the same thing. You just cover your pack with it and cinch it up. For our packing list, we're just going off the REI backpacking checklist, which was one of our backpack hack of the weeks. Can't remember which episode though. We just got it off of REI's website. So let's go through the 10 essentials, which is really easy. My 10 essentials are already packed okay. in my 10 essentials kit in the closet. You just have to be able to find yours, but maybe it's in our closet. I don't know. Okay. Maybe I should go look there. Maybe I left it there. All right. Well, that's homework for later. Next on the list, it looks like we need a sleeping bag. All right, let's find the thickest, warmest <laughs> ones we right. can. Weight is no issue. Is this your quilt? Your quilt has a little tear in it. Uh-oh, we're going to have to put that in the repair pile. Yeah, it looks like maybe it melted a little or got cut. I can't tell. Yeah, it looks like melted. Hmm. Oh, boy. All right, well, I'm yeah. going to set that aside. I'm glad you spotted that because that's something I want to repair right away. So I guess I'll be taking a different sleeping bag. Let's see, we have a thick one here. So this is one my parents gave to us from their collection of sleeping bags. I think it says on the bottom what it is. The Kelty Zephyr minus 15 degree wow. bag. Sounds like my kind of sleeping bag for the winter. <laughs> All right, here you go. It, we're in Oregon, so it's going to be like in the 30s at it's night. It's going to be overkill, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, that's a possibility. Here's another Kelty. This is the Cosmic Zero. A zero degree bag for us, that's probably doable. Like, not too hot. We always sleep cold, both of us. I have an idea for the zero degree bag. What if we both shared a foot box and just unzipped the whole mummy bag and used it just like a comforter? Hmm. Well, we'd have this hood to deal with on one side. But do you think it would be wide enough for both of us to use? Like, you know, 20 of our little toes down in the foot box, and then we just kind of open up the rest of it like a big, big quilt. Should we try it? Yeah, we can try it. Let's try it. I have my doubts. <laughs> Don't haunt the covers. <laughs> Well, what works? <laughs> like if we had a way to uh, somehow secure it so the edges wouldn't come up, because that would let in all the cold air. Yeah, right. It's fine here in the house, but we would feel the cold air around the edges because we can't wrap them underneath, like around the edges of us. Well, what if we brought this sleeping bag and then brought maybe a quilt to go sideways on top of us? So we'd still have the protection from the cold air, but we could just bring this one big thick sleeping bag as a quilt that we could share. I don't know. I really like the idea of sharing a foot box with you. You have warm feet. <laughs> My feet are not always warm. <laughs> are you willing to try this backpack hack experiment? Or do you want your own warm cocoon of a sleeping bag? 
Well, it's hard to beat the cocoon where you're totally surrounded by sleeping bag. There's no drafts coming in. But I love the idea of sharing a footbox. I mean, that is so brilliant because that's the part that always gets cold. Hmm. Yeah. So how could we go with this idea but still be able to back out of it if it doesn't work? <laughs> okay, here's another idea um, that might kind of give you a little bit of security and give us some warmth insurance. What if we bring two sleeping bags, mummy style, we double up on them at the foot box, so one is over the other one on the foot box, but then we each have our own mummy bag, so we share the foot box, but <laughs> unzip both mummy bags so they're like our own quilts. Huh. <laughs> Does that one make sense? One bag is kind of inside the other? Yes! So the foot boxes are nestled together, but both bags are completely unzipped, so we have our own way to wrap it around ourselves. Okay, well, let's try it here. <laughs> this is the best idea ever! Okay. Okay, so now we have two sleeping bags with the foot box of one nestled inside the foot box of the other. So we're sharing the foot box, but we have our own unzipped mummy as kind of a quilt that we're not sharing, we each have our own. Uh, let me see if I can kind of wrap it around myself. Alright, I'll see if I can wrap this one around myself. I actually really like this setup. Like, it is a pile of warmth, and I get to share a footbox with you. That is really cool. <laughs> if it doesn't work out, I still have a sleeping bag. Right! Hey, I think we just created a new way to hack mummy bags. Okay, well, I'm not sold on it until we've spent <laughs> a night in it. Well, okay, let's do it. Let's try it out, and then uh, we can report. All right, so we're taking the 0 degree Kelty and the 15 degree Kelty. Negative 15. Negative 15, right. We'll be warm. We'll be warm no matter what. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm totally willing to pack the minus 15 degree bag. It is huge, but I'll get it into a compression sack and it'll fit. Okay. Yeah, I'm super excited to try a new way of sleeping warm. These bags are rated for warmth, but I'm excited to try something just a little bit different, you know? We'll give it's it a shot. <laughs> shared footbed strategy. Uh, for sleeping pads, um, we have the really high R-value Thermarest. Uh, it's like five point something, but we only have one of those. And then our other pads, like the next warmest that we have, I think are in the fours, four point something for the R value. But I wonder if just to, if we should just take two of the Climate Ultralight VSL pads. We have two of those. Those are the ones we're reviewing today in the Summit Gear Review. They're 4.4 R value, and we just have two of the same thing. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, well, that takes care of our pads. What next? Well, of course, clothing. I think I like the idea of wearing the Whoopwear alpaca pants. Yeah. We both have a pair of those. Those are our go-to in the wintertime. I love those. Yeah, they're nice and thick and warm, plus base layers. <laughs> yep. And I, I would still like to have a warmer coat for the winter. I have the Patagonia Nano Puff, and when I double it up with my fleece, it's okay. But the fleece is bulky. I don't know. You, you got anything better for you? Um. Well, I... <laughs> I scored a down jacket at the thrift store a few weeks ago. I bought it for our daughter, hoping that it would fit her 
didn't end up working out, but I think it might work well for me. It's not like a sports jacket. It's just a puffy down jacket. So yeah, more for like going to the mall in the winter time. <laughs> right. It's mostly for looks, but down is still functional. I may have to put a waterproofing treatment on it just yeah. to protect it. Okay. And then we also have a couple puffies hanging up in the closet here that you got at a thrift store. Yeah. Uh, so those might work too. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And rain gear, of course. Of course. Which you've got the great um, Columbia, the Columbia raincoat. The Columbia Outdry Eco, I think it's a titanium, but it's one of those that has lots of different <laughs> words attached to it. But yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, the main point being that it's completely waterproof. Right. Nothing gets through. And I have my really light montane raincoat. It just does a great job. It doesn't wet out on me. So that'll work perfect. Okay. What kind of tent do we want to pack? We took the Appy Trails tent a few months ago, but the downside there is it's not fully enclosed. So you put down a ground cover and then you just pitch the tent on top. But just being in the wintertime, you know, with all the, the wetness of the ground, I wonder if it's better to have a fully enclosed tent. Yeah, and even though tents don't really add that much warmth, maybe a couple degrees, it's kind of a psychological thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, let's just go ahead and pack one of our REI Passage 2 tents. Okay, or there's the big Agnes, the Copper Spur UL2. That is it's, pretty amazing. It's lighter and seems to do a really good job with waterproof. Well, I've never slept in the big Agnes. Oh, really? Yeah, it's always been our kids or, you know, someone gets it. Right. <laughs> so I've never go slept Go ahead and in grab it. One. Let's do it. Okay. Oh. That was slick. <laughs> Like Fibber McGee's closet. Okay, we have a tent. Awesome. Uh, I suppose we could pack a tarp just as an extra shelter in case it's raining the whole time. We can put it up over the tent or kind of next to the tent so we have a place to get out of that's the tent that's right. dry. That was our strategy when we went on our anniversary trip. We just pitched a big tarp over our tent and then we were able to make dinner, stay dry. So I like that strategy. So let's go with the Perea tarp, the 10 by 12, and then we'll have plenty of room. We can pitch our tent and prepare dinner underneath it. Okay, there it is, the Sanctuary Sill Tarp. Boy, any other things we need to decide on together? I guess food is kind of the next big thing. Okay, so we'll have to gather some good food that's uh, easy to prepare in, in case it's raining or dark, but uh, high in calories because we'll use extra energy staying warm. And uh, and because it's a short trip, we could even take some special things that are more perishable. Yeah, we could. And I guess we should figure out our stove setup and cook set, but maybe we need to figure out the food first, because we don't know if we need a frying pan or a, just a pot for boiling water or, or what. Okay, so. well, maybe that's something we can kind of talk about, and uh, maybe the day before we head out, we can throw stuff in our pack. Yeah. Um, anything else we need to kind of talk about? Like if there's uh, zero day type activities you want to do, like if there's anything kind of peripheral that we want to bring, since this is a short and simple trip. Since it's dark, I think one of the best bets is to bring the Kindle with a movie <laughs> on it or some old uh, shows, you know, episodes of Maverick or something. What if we brought just like um, like a book of short stories? What if we kind of... Went old-timey with this trip. I'd be fine with that. Okay. Um, I might bring the book of stories or whatever on my phone because <laughs> then I don't have to worry about keeping the book dry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you wouldn't need a flashlight to, to read it. To read That's it, true. yeah. Okay, well, maybe we can find a book of um, Mark Twain short stories or something. Sure. And if we have room, we could uh, throw in a ukulele. Yeah. 
Because that could be fun just to sit around and sing a few songs together. For sure. Well, I think the rest of the stuff we can just pack on our own. Yeah, our essentials and clothing, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And then maybe since we mentioned that we want to get some practice with fire starting, uh, perhaps we can throw in a few different methods of fire starting and we can kind of experiment with them and see what works. Sounds good. Well, I'm excited for that backpacking trip. It has been too long. And for today's top five list, I wanted to talk about the top five reasons we decided to prepare for a short winter backpacking trip. It's not easy to get out in the winter, but there were some things going on that really motivated me to push through and plan just a short little getaway in the dead of winter, and here's why. The number one reason we decided to prepare for a short winter backpacking trip is because, is it okay if I share this, Josh? (laughs) I guess. Because of tension headaches. A few weeks ago, Josh said that he'd been having some of these just kind of dull headaches that would last all day and they wouldn't really get better. They wouldn't really get worse. They would just kind of linger. And so after some research with Dr. Google, we determined that they were probably tension headaches. And the best way to get rid of tension headaches is to get to the root cause of the tension and eliminate it. And Josh has mentioned over and over that getting outside really rejuvenates him. So it was a real motivator for me. When I saw that Josh was suffering, I thought, I've got to get him out. I've got to get us both out and just relax. Even though it'll be cold, I really think that getting us out there will help relieve some of the tension. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying other things too. Like I've realized that sometimes when I'm sitting at my computer at work, I just sort of have my muscles flexed. Not my biceps, but <laughs> like my head. The all those muscles in the head. And I'll realize that I'm sort of it's sort of tense, you know, and then if I just relax, I just have to remember to relax. But getting outside just makes all of that happen naturally for me. The number two reason that we decided to prepare for this short winter backpacking trip is that I really wanted to share the load of trip planning. Usually I leave everything to Josh. In fact, this is sometimes to my detriment because I'm not as prepared for trips as I could have been. And so for this trip that we're taking, it's not going to require much planning, but still, I want to hold the reins on this one and I want to take some of that burden of planning off of Josh so he can relax and enjoy the trip and I can be the one saying, okay, here's what we're going to do. And I enjoy all that planning, but it'll be fun to switch it up for a change and to just kind of sit back and be along for the ride. Yeah. And I think even with the food stuff, I might just uh, plan it all and surprise you. Okay. As long as you've got calories. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) The number three reason that we wanted to plan this short winter backpacking trip is to really kick date night up a notch. Every Friday we have date night. And the question always is, what should we do for date night? And in the summertime, it's easy. We can just pick anywhere outdoors. We can go out, do some sketching, or we can go for a hike or have a picnic. And in the wintertime, it gets pretty tough to just uh, come up with something on the fly like that. And there's always, you know, movies, eating out, entertainment, shopping. So many of those date night ideas are expensive and they leave you feeling kind of heavy, slow, fat, poor, tired, whatever. They don't enrich you like being outdoors does. The number four reason that we decided to plan this quick winter backpacking trip 
is to prove to myself that winter really is rich and wonderful and exciting and beautiful and ah, <laughs> it is so much easier to love summer. And so we're going on this trip because part of me doesn't want to go on this trip. <laughs> part of me really wants to stay inside. So we're going to go on this trip. I'm going to go with a positive attitude. I'm going to go prepared and we're going to have an enjoyable, lovely, beautiful time in the winter. I've said before that when you get outside in inclement weather, whether it's the wintertime or during a rainstorm or snowstorm, you see things that no one else ever sees because they never go out during those times. But that doesn't make it easier to get out there. It's still harder to get out there when it's cold, dark, and wet. And the fifth reason we decided to prepare for this short winter backpacking trip is because the calendar says we're too busy. If we were to look at our calendar for a convenient time to go out on a backpacking trip, it honestly would never happen. There's usually something every weekend. SAT tests, ACT tests, Christmas, dentist appointments, service projects, birthdays, work assignments. The list goes on and on. And so if I let life get in the way of something that I enjoy, that's enriching, then that means it's time to get proactive and make a few changes. Maybe say, uh-uh, to something good and kind of stick it to the calendar. Yeah. It's like sticking it to the man. <laughs> we're sticking it to the calendar and saying, no, we're not doing that on Friday. We're not doing that on Saturday. We got something else planned. So even though this will be a short trip, I think it'll be rejuvenating It'll be fun. It'll be memorable. It'll be uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, all those things. But I think we'll be so glad that we went. And every time we go out on a trip, we learn a lot and we come back with a bunch of new ideas. For today's Summit Gear review, we'll be reviewing the Climate Ultralight V SL pad. The Climate Ultralight VSL is made of 20 denier polyester. It's an air-filled pad, and each of the chambers are filled with lofted synthetic insulation, not just air, which means you're going to have some really powerful insulative value in this pad. And to inflate this pad, you just pull the nozzle to open it and then give about 15 breaths to inflate it. And once you've pushed it closed, you can also turn it to the right so you can lock it into place. A lot of air-filled pads will have a bag that you can purchase separately that you fill up with air and you put the attachment onto the nozzle of the air-filled pad and then you push the bag of air into the pad so it fills up the pad. Um, this pad actually doesn't need something like that because it only takes about 10 to 15 breaths depending on the size of your lungs, to fill up this pad. And I like that it's so easy to fill up. It has an R value of 4.4, which means that this pad is a four-season pad. At the low end, some sleeping pads have an R value of something like one. It's like sleeping on a piece of wood or something. And at the high end, we have a Thermarest pad that's five point something with the R value. So this one is getting pretty close to that higher end. And it's not because of the hot air that you blow in there. It really is the synthetic insulation that protects you from the cold ground below you. And I think it's also important to note, insulation doesn't have warmth in itself. It is a barrier. 
So something like a Stanley or a thermos that is a insulative container won't actually make your beverage hot or cold. It just protects your beverage from the outside elements. And this pad does the same thing. For mass, the Climate Ultralight VSL pad weighs 15.9 ounces or 450 grams. Uh, it is a pretty slender pad. The dimensions are 72 inches by 20 inches by 2.5 inches. Uh, the pad does taper at the end, not only to match your body shape, but also to save weight as well. And then it packs down pretty small to about 4.5 inches by 7 inches. And Josh says that that's equivalent to a short pack of bagels. So if you were only to get, uh, say, four bagels instead of six bagels. Yeah, that sounds about right. About four bagels. Four bagels tall. This pad comes with a patch kit, which is conveniently stowed inside of the little stuff sack. It has a little tube of goo along with some pieces of matching material. So you can just do a nice little repair on your pad. For investment, the Climate Ultralight VSL pad is about 120 and it comes with a Climate Lifetime Guarantee. Which we were grateful for. <laughs> for trial, I took this pad on the Trinity Alps trip uh, back in the fall. And I got it all inflated, laid down on it, felt great. And a couple hours later, I had pretty much bottomed out. And I felt pretty lucky because we were staying in a cabin on that trip. So I was just on wood instead of the cold, hard ground. And the cabin even had a wood stove in it. So I was fine but I couldn't figure out where the leak was. So I handed it off to Heather, who uh, checked it out for leaks. Yeah, and in episode 153, we talked about how I did that. It was in a bathtub. I just filled up the bathtub with about four inches of water, and then I just systematically went around the pad, squishing it and watching for bubbles. So the issue that we had with the original pad wasn't something that we could fix, so we just sent it back to Climate, and they sent us out a brand new pad, but this kind of thing can happen with any pad, and I'm kind of wondering if maybe next time we get a pad, we should inflate it and do some kind of test. You know, like fill up one of our packs with 30 pounds worth of stuff and lay it on top of an inflated pad just to do a pad check. Yeah, I think that's a good idea to check your pad before you use it for the first time, even if it's brand new, because this one just had some sort of defect. So for whatever reason, the nozzle was not completely sealing off. So, but if I'd been a little smarter, I would have figured that out before I took it on the first trip by testing it at home. Yeah, and pre-testing gear is something we've talked about with tents as well. Setting up your tent to make sure you know how things work, making sure all the pieces are there, kind of letting it off gas a little, whatever you need to do, just so you can get comfortable and make sure that it works properly. Same advice goes for pads. And the return process was really simple. Uh, Climate's a really easy company to work with, and they got us out of replacement really quickly. And these are the pads that we're going to be taking with us on our upcoming backpacking trip. I think there's some great features in these pads, and, and Heather mentioned a couple of them, but one that I really like is how the patch kit actually has a place where it can be stowed in the stuff sack. So it's not just uh, in the bottom of the stuff sack kind of laying there, and the problem is you pull your pad out and it's dark, and out comes the patch kit too, and the patch kit ends up on the ground, and you don't know that, and now it's lost. Instead, this patch kit fits into a little sleeve in the stuff sack, so you're not going to lose it. I think that's a nice little touch that they made. Also, the 
the, uh, I guess I'd call it the welding design, is really interesting. As Heather said, it only takes 10 to 15 breaths to inflate this pad. That's way less than it takes to inflate uh, like that, that thermarest that we have. It's a really warm pad. That's great. But you would almost never want to inflate it with your breath because even with that inflation sack, it takes 10 to 15 of those to inflate that thermarest. Really warm pad. That's great. But this climate, you know, an R value of 4.4, that's still pretty warm. So how did they get it that warm and only take 10 to 15 breaths to inflate it? Well, there's the lightweight insulation inside of it that keeps the air from moving uh, around, which helps. But it's also this welding pattern that they used. How do I explain it? It's like a whole bunch of individual chambers. They're all connected, but the fabric has been welded all the way through in between these individual chambers. And so what happens is there's air inside the pad, but actually you're probably trapping some air underneath the pad that you didn't have to actually blow in there with your breath. And you're probably trapping some air on the top side of the pad in those channels in between the chambers. So it was a really ingenious way to make a pad warmer just through the way that they welded it into these chambers without requiring you to put a lot of air into it to inflate it. And if you're wondering why it's called the ultralight V, it's the same reason the static V is called the static V. It's because there are these V-shaped chambers throughout the pad. Oh, can I share one other thing that I like about it? It's not as crinkly as some of the other ultralight high warmth pads. Here's what it sounds like. We have some other pads that are super crinkly, like a bag of potato chips. And this is a much more muted crinkle. I like that. We reviewed a couple other climate pads in the past, and Climate is a company that continues to innovate. So if you want to check out the Climate Static V review that we did, that is episode 33. And then if you want to check out the Climate Hammock pad, you can find that on episode 104. And we've even reviewed a Climate Pillow, episode 79. I forgot about that. <laughs> well, if you forget all the different gear that we've reviewed, we added a new page to our website a couple months ago at thefirst40miles.com slash gear. And that'll give you the full list of every gear review that we've done. Then you just search that page for climate and it comes right up with the hammock V, the static V, and the pillow X. Oh, and I should probably mention climate is spelled K-L-Y-M-I-T. And we'll have the link to the climate ultralight V SL pad in today's show notes at thefirst40miles.com slash 167. For today's Backpack Hack of the Week, how to stay on your sleeping pad. Now, with the pad that we just reviewed, we haven't had issues with rolling off of it like we have with some other pads, but I know with a lot of pads, people spend most of the night trying not to roll off of their pad. It's a constant struggle. But there's a simple solution to staying on your pad, and it doesn't matter if it's an air pad or a closed cell foam pad. The solution is to slide your sleeping pad inside of your sleeping bag. This works with any pad in any sleeping bag. And the bonus benefit is that you get to use the insulative properties of your pad as it curves up around you in your sleeping bag. And that's pretty cool because when you use your sleeping pad just underneath your sleeping bag, 
that insulative square footage that's not touching you kind of goes to waste. But when it's inside of your bag, it adds to the insulation around your shoulders and your legs. Some of you might be wondering, well, didn't you just lose insulation by putting your sleeping bag underneath your sleeping pad? Yeah, like what about the insulating power of the sleeping bag, which is now not against your body, it's down on the ground, and the pad is against your body? Well, the insulative power of a sleeping bag doesn't work unless the insulation is lofted. So once you lay down on your sleeping bag, that insulation kind of goes away because you're squishing it. All the stuff over you stays lofted and insulates you really well, but anything that you're squishing doesn't insulate you. So having it squished either between your body and the sleeping pad or between the sleeping pad and the ground, it doesn't really matter. And that's why we have both sleeping bags and pads. It's not just that we're doubling up on insulation. It's that the insulating power of the sleeping bag doesn't work when it gets compressed underneath you. And so we have to use a pad, which can be inflatable or some other kind of rigid structure so that it keeps its thickness while you're laying on it. So it really doesn't matter which one goes on the bottom and which one goes on the top. It's the pad that's doing the insulating below your body. Yeah, so next time you crawl into a sleeping bag, bring your sleeping pad with you and it'll provide more insulation around you and you won't roll off of it. One caveat, sleeping pads also tend to act as water barriers. If the ground is wet, then your sleeping pad, of course, being watertight, doesn't let the water through. Well, it's even airtight, so it doesn't let the water through. So if you put your sleeping bag directly on wet ground, it's possibly going to wick that water up to the rest of your sleeping bag, which would not be a good idea. So probably best used on either dry nights or where you already have a footprint or something at the bottom of your tent to where you know that it's going to be dry. Great point. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Erin. And I found her blog, Design for Mankind, while I was browsing the internet. (laughs) Such a cute blog. She said, I believe the best lessons can be learned by failing and flailing. And I believe those are the lessons that settle in deepest, right in the spot where it matters. There is wisdom in just going for it. And so much beauty in the path, no matter how winding and unworthy it feels. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you've been on a backpacking trip, share your story at thefirst40miles.com slash story. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. for that trip uh well me too <laughs> <laughs>